If you'd like to reach for the Bibles in front of you and turn to page 22, we're going to be reading from Genesis 22. Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set off for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. In 1989, the film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was released. This movie was the third installment 
in the Indiana Jones series and was received with mixed reviews. Generally, people thought it was better than the second film in the series, but not as good as the first. Now, if you haven't seen the film, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it for you this evening and tell you what happens. But I am going to show a clip from the movie. Uh, In this scene, our hero has to pass a test, and he has to succeed so that he can save the life of someone else. And you can all now breathe. If we're honest, when we hear the phrase, a leap of faith, most of us will have a picture that is similar to what we've just seen. We stand on the edge of uncertainty. We put our hand on our heart, we close our eyes, we think of our loved ones, And then, well, we step out blindly in the dark. If that's your leap of faith, then with all due respect, that's a step of hope, not an act of faith. In the Bible passage that we have before us this evening, in Genesis 22, we see the purest and the highest act of faith. Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his only son Isaac is the, is, is the apex of faith. This is the Mount Everest of faith. This is the summit and the pinnacle of faith. But I'm getting ahead of myself. For the benefit of any visitors or if you've been away, over the last few months at our evening services, We've been looking at the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 19, is a significant Bible passage. This event is the climax of God's dealings with Abraham. After this chapter, Abraham is only seen preparing for the future. For example, he secures a burial plot for his family in the promised land. And he makes sure that Isaac, his son, has a suitable wife. And he shares out some inheritances to his wider family. So in one way, Genesis 22, 1 to 19, signals the end of the main story with Abraham. But at the same time, this ending echoes what happened at the start in Genesis chapter 12. And there are three significant parallels between the two passages. Firstly, God said, go. In Genesis 12 verse 1, God said to Abraham, go from your country. And now at the end, in Genesis 22 verse 2, God says, take your son, your only son, and Go. The second parallel is that God would show. In verse uh, 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, God said, Go from your country to the land I will show you. Now, in Genesis 22, 2, God said, Go to the mountain that I will show you. And the third parallel is that Abraham worshipped God. In Genesis 12, verse 7, it says that Abraham built an altar um, to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
And now, in Genesis 22:13, it says that Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering. Abraham worshipped God. These similarities between these two passages is not an accident. This is deliberate. These repeated themes are like bookends. They're like markers that group all of these chapters together. Or to put it another way, in Genesis chapter 12, at the age of 75, Abraham joined the school of faith. Now in Genesis chapter 22, aged over 100 years old, Abraham faces his ultimate exam. Everything that Abraham had learnt about God in these ten chapters was underlined in this last and greatest of tests. But this passage doesn't just stay in the Old Testament. This account of Abraham is directly referred to in at least two places in the New Testament, in Hebrews and in James. And I'm convinced that there are some other indirect references elsewhere. In fact, you could say that these verses have a timeless message. It's a message that is relevant to us even today. So having highlighted the the importance of this passage... What does it say? Well, firstly, we see the reception. The reception of faith. In verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I confess that there are times when I really feel sorry for the scholars who translate the Bible into different languages. And English must be one of the most frustrating of languages. And part of the reason for the frustration must be because the words in English are always changing. Some words stop being used and other words are added to our vocabulary. Genesis chapter 22 verse 1 is an example of where an English word has been omitted from our most recent Bible translations, but only because we don't use that word anymore. It's the word behold. In the old King James Version of the Bible, it says this, God said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And right now, I can almost hear you saying, So what, Simon? Why does this one word make all the difference? Well, actually, this word behold shows us the very heart of how Abraham uh, reacted and interacted with God. If you look in a dictionary, the word behold means to see and to view and to, to pay close attention to what is happening. But in the Bible... For God's people, the word behold has a more specific meaning. Behold is a responsible word. It means to have a desire to align ourselves proactively to what God wants. 
Here in verse 1, the word behold beautifully describes that Abraham was actively focused on pleasing God. Abraham's answer is not a hesitant or a passive reply. He doesn't just say, yeah, God, I'm listening. Instead, Abraham is giving an active reply. He's saying, yes, God, I'm ready. I've been expecting you to speak, and I'm all ears. There's a story of a a young man who phoned his mother and announced that he had met the woman of his dreams. His mother said, why don't you send her flowers and invite her to your apartment for a home-cooked meal? So that's what he did. The day after the big date, his mother called to see how things had gone. The man said, Mum, the evening was a complete disaster. It was horrible. Why, said the mother, what happened? Didn't she come over? Oh, she came over, but she refused to cook. My point is this, our expectations have a significant impact on what will happen in our lives. Abraham's expectation was that God would speak and interact with him. And in response to this expectation, Abraham was ready. And his readiness to receiving from God was an act of faith. In the New Testament, Hebrews 3, verse 15 says, Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. The challenge for us as Christians today is whether we have an expectation that God will speak to us. Does our faith include that we will receive from God? For example, when we pray, do we allow time for God to say something? Or are we too busy telling God about our own needs? Receiving from God is an act of faith that impacts our lives today. But the passage goes on. The reception of faith, and secondly, we see the reaction. The reaction in faith. Verse 3 says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. I think it is significant that after God instructed Abraham to do something in verse 2, the very next verse shows that Abraham reacted and responded immediately. Abraham didn't stop or pause or reflect. He he got on with the task that God had asked him to do. But note, too, that it wasn't a mad panic. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. Abraham's reaction in faith was measured And it was strategic, and it was orderly. Abraham Lincoln is quoted to have said, If you give me six hours to chop down a tree, 
I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Preparation is important. And in verse 3, we see that Abraham prepared strategically for what God had asked him to do. Firstly, Abraham arranged himself. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. Clearly, this was self-motivation. And just to be clear, this has got nothing to do with whether you're a morning person or a night owl. But it has everything to do with a response that is personally activated. Abraham reacted in faith through a personal action. Secondly, Abraham arranged others. The verse 3 says, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Abraham realized that he needed help to complete what God had asked him to do. So, in addition to Isaac, um, Abraham organized for two of his servants to help. I don't think this was a lack of faith or even a sign of weakness. Rather, Abraham was being realistic. After all, Abraham was over a 100 years old, and he was going to walk for three days into the hillside. Abraham reacted in faith by organizing others to help. And thirdly, Abraham arranged the practicalities. Verse 3 notes that uh, Abraham loaded his donkey and he cut enough wood for the burnt offering. I don't know about you, but over the years, I have met people who are best described as, well, so heavenly minded, they are no earthly use. I can see some smiles, so clearly you know who I'm referring to. Um, We love these people to bits, don't we? But they couldn't organize themselves out of a paper bag. Pretty honest. Abraham identified the practical parts of what God wanted him to do. In verse 2, God said to Abraham that he was to offer a burnt offering. And a burnt offering needed wood. Abraham couldn't guarantee that there would be wood on the top of the mountain, so he arranged to take his own supplies. This shows that Abraham took what God said seriously, and he planned ahead. Abraham reacted in faith. By sorting out the details. In John 14, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commands. The challenge for us as Christians today is whether we respond to what God wants us to do immediately and strategically. Does our faith include that we will get involved? So, for example, if God has prompted you to invite someone to the Alpha course that is starting in September, how are you going to respond? And what will be the practical implications of doing what God has asked you to do? Responding and reacting to God is an act of faith that impacts our lives today. The reception of faith, the reaction in faith, and thirdly, the reflection. The reflection with faith. 
one of the verses that stands out in this passage is the gentle and the open way that Abraham responds to Isaac's question in verse 8. Without a hint of anxiety or uncertainty, Abraham explains to his teenage son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. A few weeks ago, I was speaking with someone about the need for Christians to speak to non-Christians about what Jesus has done in their life. And we realized that one of the biggest problems of evangelism is the word evangelism. In other words, there is a danger that we get so consumed with doing evangelism the right way, whatever that may mean, but we forget what Jesus told us to do. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Abraham shows us how this call to make disciples can be applied into a family setting. Quite simply, Abraham reflects his faith in God to Isaac. And notice what he says in verse 8. It starts with God. God will provide. Abraham shows Isaac that God is central in his life. And then it continues with certainty. God will provide. Abraham shows Isaac that God is reliable and dependable. And it carries on with action. God will provide. Abraham shows Isaac that God gets directly involved with his people. God doesn't go on holiday. God is always present and involved. And it ends specifically. God will provide the lamb. Abraham shows Isaac that God meets the exact needs of his people. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said that the best way to get a child to eat his food was to see his parents enjoying their food. And then she added, Our children will not be attracted to Christ if we make him seem dull. Perhaps this is a challenge for us as Christians today. Perhaps instead of trying to do evangelism in a formal or an official way, we should focus our energies on reflecting the love of God to others by involving them in our lives. So, for example, invite your family to a tea and cake or invite your friends, invite your neighbors uh, for a meal. And reflect God's love to them. Reflecting God is an act of faith that impacts our lives today. The reception of faith, the reaction in faith, the reflection with faith, and lastly, the redemption. The redemption by faith. Have you noticed that there are some words that we use in church and many times we don't know everything about what that word means? Redemption must be one of those words. 
What do we mean by the redemption by faith? Well, the end of verse 13 provides us with an answer. It says, Abraham went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. The ram was sacrificed instead of Isaac. And it's that word instead that is important. In the original Hebrew text, the word translated instead means in the place of. Abraham took the sheep and sacrificed it in the place of his son Isaac. Isaac was redeemed. He was bought back. And the price of that redemption was the life of the, of the sacrificial lamb. Some of you know that I've been learning British Sign Language to help with our ministry to the deaf community at Goldstone. And the BSL sign for Abraham is this. Um, you take the right hand, you make a fist as if it's holding a dagger, but the left hand stops the right hand from striking. And I think it's a great picture of God's intervention, of God getting involved. It's interesting that in verse 7, Isaac asked the question, where is the lamb? Hundreds of years later, John the Baptist answered the question by pointing to Jesus and saying, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is God's ultimate plan and purpose. Jesus didn't come to the world to, to bring good news to all men. Jesus came as the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God. Jesus gave up his life on the cross because it was the price that had to be paid for our sins. We have been bought back. We have been redeemed through the life of the Lamb. The challenge for us as Christians today is to live as people who are redeemed. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross at Calvary, our lives have been bought back. Our faith in Jesus impacts our lives today. The, the reception of faith, the reaction in faith, the reflection with faith, and the redemption by faith. In 1853, when Hudson Taylor, the missionary, was making his first trip to China, his boat was delayed because the wind had stopped. A strong sea current was carrying the ship towards some reefs, and the situation was becoming dangerous. The captain of the ship went to the missionary and said, Mr. Taylor, I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. All right, Captain, I will pray, but you must set the sail. But that's ridiculous, said the captain. There's not even a breeze. And anyway, the sailors will think I'm crazy. And this went on for a while. And eventually, the captain agreed to set sail. 
45 minutes later, the captain returned and found the missionary still on his knees praying. You can stop praying now, said the captain. We've got more wind that we know what to do with. Faith in God is faith in action. This is not a a blind leap of faith, but it is setting our hearts and our minds wholeheartedly on God. So let us take up the challenge this evening. The challenge of living a life of complete faith in God. A life of faith in action. Let us have an expectation that God will speak to us. In faith, let us be ready to receive from God each day. Let us respond to what God wants us to do, and to do it immediately and strategically. Let us react in faith to God each day. Let us mirror the love of God in our lives to others. In faith, let us reflect God each day. And let us live as Live our lives as people who have been redeemed. We have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word this evening. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus, our loving Savior, our wonderful Redeemer, and our precious Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for, the, for your grace and love towards us, that you were willing to pay the price on the cross for our wrongdoing. Thank you that by believing on what you have done for us at Calvary, we are free. We are saved, and we have the promise of eternal life. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us this week to live our lives worthy of being called followers of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.